All right, guys, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. If you're someone who is seeking uncommon results, this podcast is for you. Success, happiness, and wisdom. What do these words mean to you? I think we can all agree that we'll probably all have slightly different definitions of each. In these podcasts, I get to dive deeply into conversations with some amazing innovators, influencers, and trendsetters that have had different versions of how they define the terms, yet have come out on the other side with amazing, uncommon results. At some point in their lives, they have decided to unshackle themselves from the norm and go beyond all boundaries. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in for another uh, episode of Beyond All Boundaries. I'm John Dwyer and another fantastic guest with me today, Derek Dombeck. How you doing, buddy? Hey, living the dream. Living Thanks the for dream. having me on. You bet. So um, Derek is from Wisconsin, and uh, I've gotten to know Derek uh, quite well, actually, over the last, I would say, what, last year? It's been a year now, right? Um, yeah. we're, in a, we're in a study group together, and we do a, um, he's one of my, one of the guys that speaks a lot of realness into my life and, and holds me accountable on a lot of issues. So um, Derek, I'm, I'm thankful that you're on today. And uh, Derek um, has a company called Best REI Funding. Um, he's actually got a couple different companies, right? But um, that's that's your lending company that we're going to maybe talk a little bit about today. So if you want to lead into that, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for having me on, John. Um, getting to know you and your lovely wife has been a great over last year. Uh, you know, it, it Alex, it helps me look back and, and see where I came from and where I am today and then compare myself with people like you and, and your wife and, and other people in our peer group. Um, Cause we are all there to collaborate and help each other and, and, you know, hold each other accountable, as you mentioned um, quickly for myself, born and raised in Wisconsin and started investing in real estate back in the early two thousands. Um, and I, I built myself up really quickly and, uh, got to a point where I, I thought I could never fail. Right. And then 2007 hit us and I failed. I failed really, really, really huge. Um, and it taught me a lot of different things about not only the real estate markets, but how to watch other markets and how they affect real estate. You know, at that time, I didn't know anything about commodities or didn't, didn't talk to people in, in, you know, expertise like you with, with uh, financial advising and stuff. I, I was more of a closet investor, right? I just kind of mm-hmm. kept to myself. I was almost ashamed if I went out and bought a fixer upper or a rental property. I, you know, a lot of us have family members and friends that, that want to help us by protecting us. And, you know, so after the big failure of 07, you know, my wife and I had a decision to make and that's either quit or do whatever it takes to, to rebuild. And, but we did it different, obviously. And the, the thing that I've, I've told people over the years is once the knowledge is up in, in between your ears, they can take everything away from you. You can, you can fail again, but short of having any head trauma, you, you won't lose what, what the knowledge you have and the experience you have. And it's very ironic now because I'm in a leadership position and I've got people that I, I talk to all the time and I coach a little bit and, you know, they're always asking, when's the market going to turn? When, when's this going to happen? And when's that going to happen? And when you've been through different market cycles, it's almost like you've seen the end of the movie before the movie started. 
and it's it's pretty easy to see and, and i'm assuming you have this in in your expertise too john but you can see people nearing the cliff and they're just about to go over the cliff and you can tell them but they won't listen because yep. they've they've got to go over the cliff themselves one time um so as we got through you know the turmoil of 2007 took us several years um we met my my current business partner his name is jeff and i've always bought and sold and and fixed up you know properties have rental properties primarily i i've been flipping for the last dozen years um i don't really enjoy the management of rentals anymore so uh so we've flipped a lot of properties but I never wanted to use a bank again because that was part of my, my downfall in 2007, nothing against banks, but I realized I had no control, especially if I was using bank notes that had, you know, balloon mortgages or call provisions in them. So when we started to do it again, we're either using creative deal structuring, meaning I was, taking down a property, getting payments or an option or controlling a property using a lease, something along those lines where essentially I was not going back to a bank um, to borrow money. And when I met Jeff, um, he had already built up a, a sizable amount of, of capital through private people, private investors, and he was funding all of his deals um, using private capital and had never used a bank. For an investment property so it was an interesting little uh marriage i guess we'll call it um we we kind of joke with each other all the time he's my work wife but uh and since you know him you you know i'm not the wife but um, <laughs> i can't wait to have jeff on the podcast absolutely <laughs> he, he should have been here <laughs> but it was interesting because the the first thing that he taught me was you know, a lender can get paid the same or better cash flow than a landlord without any of the joys of management of being a landlord. Right. The downside is you don't get the appreciation or the, the principal reduction in the value increase of a property. If you hold a note, eventually it pays off and you have to redeploy that money to get your cash flow to keep coming. And, and it's, it's not the best thing in the world as far as having tax advantages. But it hit home because in my early years and throughout that period of time, um, I've had plenty of interesting stories that happened in my rental properties and, and three dead bodies to deal with, which were interesting. And, you know, the, the tenants that take off in the middle of the night or trash your property. And every time it happened to me, nobody called my lender. They called me. Right. And I always made sure my lender got paid. Why? Because I'm the responsible party. So when he said this to me, you know, 2011-ish, and he asked me this question, he said, how many hours do you think it would take to manage 100 rental units a week? And I said, that's a 40 to 50 hour a week job for sure. And he said, how many hours do you think it would take to manage 100 loans? And I had no idea. And the answer is one to two hours a month from anywhere in the world with a cell phone or a laptop. And that really struck me because I, I came from a background of construction. Um, you know, I've got a PhD, 
meaning a public high school diploma. So I don't have this, you know, I'm not, I'm not in love with sitting behind a computer and, and having a, a, an office complex and, and, you know, all these people running around me. I, I like things simple. Yep. And this sounded really simple to me. So, so how did you, so back up to 2007 though for a minute, because I think this is important too, because it sounds like, and these are the stories that, you know, that I think are <clears throat> really important for people to hear because it sounds like, I mean, you were kind of like at breaking point, right? And it was, well, yeah. I mean, you know, and so how do you, how do you, can you recall like the conversations that you and your wife had or what, what was it, Derek, that kept you going, you know what? we've got to at least go down this path. You know, like what you said, we could have hung it all up and went a completely different direction, but what was it that, um, was it just that because you had knowledge of how to recreate it or what, well, what drove you? To there's, there's one thing. Um, it was pride. Um, I, I was brought up in a, a way that you, you followed through on your commitments mm -hmm. and all the real estate deals that I had that fell apart you know, when the markets crashed at the time we did those deals, they were legitimate deals on paper. We didn't have enough education to, to see, you know, the writing that was on the wall along with millions and millions of other people, but that doesn't make me feel any better. Right. You know, there was, there was clear things going on that should have been just red strobe lights going off in your head, but the greed was, immense back then amongst all the professionals, the mortgage brokers, the appraisers. I mean, there was so much money rolling in. Nobody wanted it to stop. And, and we were caught in the, in a position where we were building new construction um, in Florida, living in Wisconsin, relying on people that we thought were reliable until, you know, the markets crashed. And, and I mean, I could write a book just on that that one or two years of my life would probably be a bestseller. The sum of the drama was unbelievable. And I mean, we're talking murder. We're talking um, the one company taking money off of 57 different construction loans and, and not paying subcontractors and sending that money over out of the country to a non-extradition island. I mean, there was a lot of crap that we were tied up in. And the conversations I had with my wife um, at the same time were that I, we were ashamed and we, you know, we wanted to do whatever we had to do. I, I did not want to file bankruptcy. Yeah. So on the surface, it looked like we were making money on all these flips that we started doing. I mean, I went out and found a partner that was credit worthy because we weren't anymore. So we were, he didn't have any experience. I had experience. He had credit. It worked out good. 50, 50 partnership. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we'd be getting chunks of money on these flips, but it was all going to cover, cover, cover. Right. You know, at the same time, uh, my wife and I had uh, some some fertility challenges to have kids. Mm -hmm. So we were in the middle of an adoption as the markets came crashing down. Um, we had already accepted a, a, a match to our son in China, and I needed to come up with another thirty five thousand dollars. And oh, by the way, there's not a bank in the world that'll touch me. Yeah. So we had to figure that out. And there was no way I wasn't going to go get my son that we'd already fallen in love with. Right. You know, um, so, so my wife and I, um, 
much like many couples, when they get into financial trouble, you, you could start pointing the finger. Um, you could start letting your, your relationship deteriorate. Yep. And, uh, and there was times where we thought maybe we should just hang it up and go our separate ways. But at the end of the day, um, there's, you know, our vows were for better or worse. And we stuck together through the worst part. And that we got through, you know, um, and I didn't ever look at it as a blessing until maybe five or six years ago, because I was ashamed. I would never tell this story in the past. Right. Now I tell this story to anybody that wants to hear it because I know what I know today. And I have what I have today because of what we went through. Right. If, if we had not gone through that turmoil, we would have never been forced to learn the strategies we know today. Mm. And we've been able to help so many families over the years that were in similar situations. And when I can sit across the kitchen table from somebody, John, and look them in the eye as they're in foreclosure or bankruptcy or whatever their situation is, and I can sit there and say, I know how you feel. And this is why I know how you feel. There's no faking that and they know it. Right. So it allows us to help people and, and, you know, we, we profit from it, but we get to make money while we help people. Right. So talk about a little about, I mean, you, you got a little, a lot of different things going on. You got the funding business and you do some coaching. Um, so on the funding side, <clears throat> it's just you and Jeff, right? And then you guys are raising private capital for that or how, how are you guys doing that? Yeah. So how it started was we always were raising private capital for our own deals. And then we, we had more capital available than we had deals. So you go back about 10 years and we might've had Bob that had an extra hundred thousand dollars sitting around and Joe had a deal that he needed funding for. And we didn't have anything to do with Bob's money. So we, we just started playing, you know, matchmaker. Right. And that started out as one or two at a time, maybe, you know, a dozen a year. And then it, it slowly grew um, until about three years ago. And then, it was, it was to a point where it was taking so much time and, and it's profitable, but it was taking so much time. We really had to turn it into its own full-time business. Mm -hmm. And at this point, um, we've got a staff of five people. Uh, we've got about 17 to 20 loans a month going out the door and we are a hundred percent private capital. We don't have any institutional money, nor do we want it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really enjoy working with other people to give them a decent rate of return on their money, especially when I see somebody that, you know, they don't have a, a large education in business and they don't maybe have opportunities to get high returns on their money. So, you know, if they're sitting with a couple hundred thousand dollars in a bank CD getting less than 1% and I can give them nine, um, that's, that's beneficial to them. And yep. it's beneficial to us, you know, how long, how long if, if, if you have somebody like that, you know, for the listeners out there or whatnot, how long typically is the hold on the money or how long is it before it clears out? We usually ask for a one-year commitment, One year commitment. But, but we're not like a, a bank CD where we're going to penalize you if you ask for it back earlier. Right. You know, we're, we're doing short-term lending, which is a six month loan. Um, and it's on either fix and flip property or, it's short-term to landlords that may have to fix up a rental before they can get their long-term bank financing. Mm -hmm. um, and 
it's only in the state of Wisconsin. So we keep everything regional. We keep a good handle on it. And uh, I'll tell you, John, in, in the 11 years that we've been lending, we've taken eight properties back out of hundreds and hundreds of loans. Wow. We've, we really take pride in working with our clients, educating them. Whenever they do have a challenge, we're there to help them. And we don't want to take the property away from them. That's right. worst case scenario. Right. You know? Right. So oh, awesome. So you want to talk a little bit about your, your coaching and what you're doing there? Yeah. So it, it really, I guess I, I don't want to call it coaching so much as we host some masterminds um, on a national level. And that also came out of that, that investor cruise I was telling you about earlier um, for your viewing or, or your listening audience. Uh, I was an attendee of a conference for seven of its eight years, which happened on a cruise ship and got to know a lot of friends, um, just like I got to know John. And at one point, one of our friends said, why don't we just rent the house every six months together, somewhere different, and just come and hang out and we'll help each other with our businesses and collaborate. And we took that idea and we, we built on it and we started our first group. Um, it's been over four years ago now. And we just got back from the Dominican Republic two weeks ago on that with that group of people. And how many, how many, how many couples or people do you have attending that one, Derek? Um, we max out at 24 oh. was the most between couples. We had 16 people in Dominican this time. Uh, our sweet spot is, is about no more than 12 business units. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like myself, my business partner and our two wives were considered one business unit. Um, beyond that, it gets hard to find a venue because we right. do, we do it different than most mastermind groups. We, we want to stay in the same house together for a period of days and it, it, it creates this family atmosphere, sometimes dysfunctional, but yet a family atmosphere, <laughs> a family atmosphere, right? Yeah. I mean, when Jeff is walking around in his, in his pajama <laughs> pants until noon, you know, it's like, all right, put some clothes on dude, you know, yeah. but it, it makes you become very close. Like when I go to other functions, um, other mastermind sessions or whatever, and, and everybody has their hotel room to kind of escape to, yep. you know, you don't spend the same amount of time bonding with each other. And, and I feel it's very, very important. And, and so we started that original group. And, and since then we've, we've got a couple more. Um, and I don't allow people from my home market to be a part of it because they're not going to be open and honest 110% if they feel like I'm competition to them or their competition to me. Correct. So this is really structured to be people from all walks of life in all different parts of the country. And I try to not have people of similar backgrounds um, in my groups together. I don't want, I don't want a dozen engineers in a room because right. it's going to be a very one-sided conversation. And, and it's, it's real estate based. Mm -hmm. um, the majority of the people are real estate investors but we get into a lot more than just business discussions. And sometimes, you know, people don't realize how much your personal side affects what you do in business. And, you know, if, if you're having health issues or having marital problems or whatever, it, it all ties together. So 
so that that call is called the circle of trust and and that like i said we started about four years ago and we have three groups now and so that keeps us hopping around um every six months and then the conference i had mentioned to you john that we were a part of well mm -hmm. those gentlemen decided to uh not run it anymore they're for their own personal reasons both health and age and just you know what it takes to put on a conference so we we took it over um it used to be uh, called captains of the deal and it was on a cruise ship well i don't know if you know anything about this little covid thing that's been going on but cruise ships aren't really the, the place you want to be right now right so uh so we've got our conference it's called the generations of wealth voyage um it's it's going to be in Orlando, Florida at the end of February, uh, February 21st through the 25th, I believe it is. And uh, it was, it's designed to be the same thing that we had on the cruise. Mm -hmm. So it's advanced strategies. It's a lot of time for networking with people that have been in the real estate or other businesses, but primarily real estate for years and have experience um, to build your network. So right. we have our conferences, which is, there's no sales allowed. This is just pure content from nine o'clock until one o'clock each day. And then the afternoon is you go and network, have a beer, sit by the pool, go to the bar, go to Disney World for a few hours, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and in the evenings, we get back together again for a more interactive town hall session. So, uh, but so the Derek, if, people, that, if people are interested in, in that, and again, say the dates again for everybody. Uh, February twenty first through the twenty fifth. Okay, and then how can they? How can people get in contact with you if they're interested in, in this type of? The uh, the website for it is gowvoyage.com. So that stands for Generations of Wealth Voyage. Gowvoyage.com. Awesome. Um, but the one thing I want to point out about this, John, and this started. I took my oldest daughter on that cruise mm -hmm. when she was 12 years old. Actually, the first time she was 11. And then I took her again when she was 12. She was the only child in the room. There was 200 people on the cruise ship. And she started to see that mom and dad aren't the only weird ones, right? Because all of her friends at school, all her parents have jobs and, you know, she, she understands what we do in our business, but to go and see other people like us had, his, had a very huge impact on her. Um, so we want people to bring their children, primarily 10 and up, um, right. at no expense. I mean, no charge as far as attending the conference. And it's not that they're coming there to learn all these advanced strategies because they're not going to they're not going to understand what the lectures are about <clears throat> it's for them to start meeting other kids who have parents that are freaks like us and so right now my daughter has friends from georgia colorado idaho and she's 15 if she can build a network like you and i are building in our our 30s <laughs> yeah right or 40s <laughs> but if she can, if she can build a network as a teenager and in her early twenties, no matter what they want to do in their endeavors, yeah, it's so powerful. So that's part of why it's called generations of wealth. That's pretty. That's actually a really cool idea. 
you know, it's, it's really neat. And, and you told me some of the speakers that are going to be there. You're going to have, you're going to have a stellar lineup too. Yeah. We've got the best of the best from all over the country. Um, Sean McCloskey, who's a good friend of yours and mine, um, other friends. I don't, I don't of know ours. if I give Sean that much credit, but you know. Well, yeah, <laughs> he's he's friends with our wives. <laughs> <laughs> I think he gets us in trouble. Yeah, he exactly. does. But you know, yeah. there's no one better than Sean. Yeah, but um, so I, a good friend of mine, Jeff Watson, he's a very well-renowned attorney, is speaking. Um, Donna Bauer is a very well, they call her the note queen for reasons. So she knows a lot about, you know, buying and selling notes. Um, who else did I tell you? Ron Phillips, Christina Krause, um, Bill Cook. There's, there's a, there's 11 of us that are, that'll be speaking. And again, it's, it's not to sell and pitch products. This is no. pure content, you know? So. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, yeah, I, I think, uh, anybody out there listening to this and looking for a good event to go to, um, I'm sure it's going to be, you know, well attended number one and then two just you have great content great speakers so oh and we have fun there's no doubt we have a good time that's awesome well derek i want to appreciate you so much for coming on and uh thanks for sharing your story and i I, we're going to see each other in in a couple weeks i guess yeah absolutely i'm looking forward to it and uh i appreciate you having me on and if if your listeners ever want to reach out to me directly um I don't know. I'm assuming you'll have my name up there. They can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, um, my, Do you have a website my, or email that you want them to go to for either? Um, uh, my website, or I'm sorry, my email, Derek at bestreifunding.com is probably the easiest. Yep. And of course, the website is bestreifunding.com. And Derek is D-E-R-E-K. My mom probably figured I wouldn't be smart enough to spell the long version of Derek. So you know, she gave me the short one, John. <laughs> Anything else, man? <laughs> hey, I'll take it. I'll right. take it. Well, so. man, I really appreciate you being on again. And, and thanks for sharing your journey and your story. And, Adele, you know, all the things that you guys have going on is pretty amazing. You know, well, I appreciate it, John. I look forward to seeing you uh, live and in living color. All right, buddy. Take care. Have a good day. Bye-bye.